Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning, brought to you by World Soccer Talk. Fired up here. Ready to go. Big show for you. Podcast only. If you, uh, if you get to this show via the podcast feed and you wonder, hey, did the show happen today? Where's the YouTube? Where's the live version of the show? It didn't happen. I'm doing it live in our usual time slot. We're just not broadcasting it. Sometimes producer Trevor has things he has to do and uh, we, we push it to the side. But we do deliver for you and we've got a big show for you today. Giannis Pollock from ESPN and Fox Sports will join us to talk about the Champions League, certainly Arsenal, and their bid to overcome a deficit against Monaco coming up just short. Atletico Madrid beating Bayer Leverkusen in penalties there in Spain. So the defending finalists continue on in the competition. Got a couple of games today. Barcelona-Manchester City with Barcelona up 2-1 on aggregate. Dortmund attempting to overcome a one-goal deficit against Juventus there in Germany. So good games on tap in the Champions League. After that, we're going to talk to Brian Korstad from the new Northern Pitch website covering Minnesota soccer. I wonder what we're going to talk to Brian about. Could it be expansion into the Twin Cities? MLS expansion into the Twin Cities? A lot of things I want to talk to Brian about. It's been a long time since we've had him on the show. He has done a fantastic job of covering not only Minnesota soccer, but lower division soccer for a long time. And it looks like Minnesota is going to move up a division. Is that the right move for Minnesota United? I think that's an open question. Let's do some headlines here before Yanis Mahalik joins us. I mentioned all of those Champions League results. So you're caught up there. Uh, presume, presume you've seen at least highlights. If not, watch those games yourself. The boss button. Well, there's no boss button on the uh, on the streaming that you would pull up. How difficult is streaming these days? I'll admit that I'm a bit out of touch with streaming. The the uh, illicit variety. Back when I had a 9 to 5, when I was chained to a desk, when I dreaded and hated my life, I would occasionally pull up a stream to watch some Champions League. I did it, definitely did it during, during the World Cup. But those midweek Champions League games, hell yes. And uh, I knew all the websites, and I knew how to, uh, you know, how to to sh- to get out of the window if the boss came in the room. I don't know how to do that anymore. Is it is it difficult? What's the state of streaming in America? It used to be the lifeblood of the soccer fan. Maybe not so much anymore. Grant Wall reporting that Cristiano Ronaldo could land in MLS as early as 2018, reporting that that's the plan. The cities he's interested in will not shock you. New York, L.A., Miami. Of course, Miami doesn't have a team. We'll get to that in a second. Cristiano Ronaldo at the age of 32, 33, 33. I think he just turned 30. So Cristiano Ronaldo at the age of 33 arriving in MLS. Look, I am not going to lift, look, uh, look a gift horse in the mouth. When it went, ah, excuse me. Let me try that again. I'm not going to lift a lift a third time. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth when it comes to Cristiano Ronaldo playing in MLS. I would take him in a heartbeat, whether it's now or three years from now. But that being said, do we have to talk about it three years before it happens? I have no problem with Grant Wall filing a report. Of course, it's his job. He goes out and he gets the stories and he, and he brings them back to us at SI.com. But yeah. It's, it's three years away. I mean, what's the, what's, I don't even want to get excited about it yet. I really don't. 
But yes, Cristiano Ronaldo in MLS would be a big, big deal. And, and I imagine that when he comes, if he comes, he will be the highest paid player in the history of the league. I don't think you're getting Cristiano Ronaldo uh, at the same price you're getting Josie Outdoor or Clint Dempsey or even Kaká for that matter. You're going to have to pay the man. Who's going to who's going to step up and do that? We will find out. I, I I don't even know if discussions have happened. This may just be something he mis- mentioned to a buddy at the nightclub one night. Yeah, I'm going to go to MLS in three years. Oh, okay. We'll see what what happens there. Sacramento has responded to the news that Minnesota is getting an MLS team and that Miami is actually ahead of them, according to many sources, as reported by Brian Strauss at SI.com, among others, by announcing a plan called Project Turnkey, in which they get everything lined up. They get all of their little ducks in a row so that the moment MLS says it's a go, they're ready. Right now, I think Sacramento has the strongest case built on actual foundations. Minnesota United is a good club. They've been successful in NESL and before that in the USL. Not as Minnesota United as other iterations of a Minnesota team. But Sacramento has built something pretty amazing over a short time span. They've won a USL championship. They've got 9,000 season ticket holders. They've put 20,000 people in buildings for soccer games. There aren't that many cities that can boast that. So I would be a little disheartened to hear that you're not on the list when the league plans to get to 24. Although, again, MLS will reconsider or will evaluate going past 24 teams. And guess what? It's going to happen. It is going to happen. It's a $100 million franchise fee right now, as set by NYCFC. Uh, Orlando got in for 75. We know Miami's going to get a cut rate because of Beckham and his deal, $25 million. But Sacramento, it's going to be 85, 95, 100 million dollars. I don't know what Bill McGuire is going to pay up in Minnesota. Maybe Brian Korstad does. I'm not sure that that detail has come out yet. But if I'm Sacramento, I'm, I'm a little bummed about this. We did everything right. We did everything you told us we had to do, and here we go. Where's our team? But as I've told you many, many times, MLS, if nothing else, is a league that wants to be mobile. A league that wants to be able to turn on a dime. And they've turned on this expansion dime. Sacramento does not have the cachet of Miami, certainly. And Minnesota seems to be a target because of its Midwest footprint. Is Sacramento going to get in? Eventually they will. I just think they have to bide their time. Dutch club Azed Alkmaar has hired Oakland A's general manager Billy Bean. Yes, he of Moneyball. As a consultant, I don't know what this is going to give Azed Alkmaar. I don't know what, I don't know. It's fascinating. It's two of my particular worlds colliding. I am a gigantic baseball guy, have been since I was a little kid. I'm not necessarily a, an advanced analytics guy because I don't have the brain for it, but I completely respect the push towards the money ball style of putting a team together. And obviously, Billy Bean is the biggest celebrity in that little world when it comes to actually managing a team, or actually general general managing a team. So we'll see. I know he's a Spurs fan. I know he's a soccer guy on some level. I don't doubt his interest in this project. I just don't know what it's going to bring out at Alkmaar. And remember, this is the club that has some American connections. Josie Outdoor has played there, and Aaron Johansson is currently at, at LZ. AZ. Can't talk today. Just fascinating. Eridiano of Costa Rica has staked himself to a 3 Nothing lead over Club America in the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals first leg last night. I watched a lot of that game. Hectic, crazy, 
physical a uh, couple a red card for Club America really set them back and Herediano did not let that opportunity pass them by. They are now set up to go up to Mexico with a chance to win and advance to a uh, Champions League final, excuse me. And there's a very good likelihood, a very good possibility, and no disrespect to Montreal who plays tonight against Liga or Alahuelense. See, can't do it. Alahuelense. Just going to call them Liga. No disrespect to Montreal, but it's a very good chance that we could have two Costa Rican teams in the CONCACAF Champions League final. That would be something else. That would be pretty amazing for Costa Rican soccer. They have one last hope for MLS, Montreal, fighting up an uphill battle, and one hope for Mexico, the country that has dominated this tournament. Dominated. And here we are, Pachuca bounced by Montreal, and now Club America staring down the barrel of a very, very difficult task back at the Azteca. Not impossible, but certainly difficult. I want to remind you that El Clasico is this weekend Real Madrid, Barcelona, one of the biggest matches in the world. Make sure you check out dishworld.com. If you don't have access to be in sport, this is where you need to go. An amazing streaming service. I'm not talking about like choppy, uh, bad audio, uh, you can't make it out, it buffers all the time. I'm talking about the best streaming service you could possibly get. And if you're a cord cutter especially and you want some soccer, this is where you need to go. Uh, One World Sport also on the service. They've got the New York Cosmos. And hey, maybe you like cricket. I think Willow's over there. And there's a lot of other uh, excellent programming. It's available at uh, dishworld.com. So go check that out. They sport, they sponsor the show. They support us. We want to support them. And uh, would love it if you uh, you helped us out. Let's take a break. Yanish Mahalik from ESPN and Fox will join us in just a minute. We're going to go over all of the Champions League implications. Soccer morning. Brought to you by WorldSoccerTalk.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Talking too loud Every soccer fan in the world knows that the biggest match of the year is El Clasico between Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's your chance to witness Cristiano Ronaldo, Lido Messi, and more of the greatest players in the world. The best way to watch is with Dish World and their exclusive broadcast from BN Sports. Dish World is the number one live international TV service in the U.S. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch El Clasico, plus La Liga, Serie A, and Copa America, as well as the New York Cosmos, Chelsea TV, Arsenal TV, and others with One World Sports and more top networks offered by Dish World. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss El Clasico on Sunday, March 22nd. Sign up today at www.dishworld.com. Hey there, it's Jason Davis, and if you're like me and love playing fantasy soccer games, I want to let you know about a fantastic new game called Draft11.com. This is not your usual fantasy soccer game. Draft11.com is different for two major reasons. First, it's a daily fantasy soccer game, and second, it gives you an opportunity to win cash. So instead of playing an entire season and competing against, say, the 3 million people who play fantasy Premier League and winning nada, You can play Draft11.com over one match day against up to 10 people. And if your team wins, you win. Cash, not points. So go ahead and support our new sponsor that's helping bring Soccer Morning to you every single day. Head over to Draft11.com, sign up for a free account, 
and take a shot at trying to win some cold, hard cash. Thanks. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning and joined now on the telephone by one of my favorite guests, Janish Mahalik from ESPN and also Fox. Janish, how are you, sir? I am doing uh, very, very well. Uh, today, especially great games uh, coming up, at least on paper, right? Uh, yesterday wasn't bad, but I, I think everybody's been kind of waiting for uh, Barcelona and City and, uh, and maybe even bigger game in terms of... Uh, um, uh, Borussia Dortmund and Juventus, so uh, certainly some big names uh, coming up our way in a few hours. Uh, both of those games, uh, you know, one goal difference, and we'll see uh, each of the, um, you have a, a away goal, uh, two, two away goals for Barcelona, obviously, mm-hmm. in their matchup with City, and a, an away goal for Dortmund against Juve, which makes it a little easier for them. I want to start with yesterday, though, and just a, a review of what happened uh, both at, in Monaco and obviously uh, down in Spain with uh, Atletico Madrid progressing. Uh, Arsenal gave it their all, Yanish. Um, but this is what they seem to do. They sort of flatter, you know, they sort of uh, flatter to deceive a bit. Uh, the first leg, obviously, a disaster at the Emirates by their standards. And while they can give it all they've got back, uh, you know, back in the Principality, it, it, you, you, you've dug such a hole for they dug such a hole for themselves ahead of that game that it just, uh, you know, two nothing is not even a Pyrrhic victory. Well, yeah, we, you know, when, when you talk about Arsenal, you, you, you're talking always about mentality and pressure, right? I mean, it's a lot easier to do it when pressure is off. And that, that seems to me, uh, uh, you know, that's what Arsenal are. Uh, you know, it's, it's a funny, funny animal because you can accuse them of lack of mentality. I could flip, flip, flip up, uh, that in a sense that they do have mentality. Cause you know what? Uh, look, if you remember the first leg, was absolutely horrendous, not just result, but in every aspect of the game, right? You would not expect the team to be as bad as they were in terms of everything, work ethic and mentality and all that. But look how they bounce, right? I mean, is there a better team that, that bounces when you when you expect them to fall apart? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the next four or five games they've won, they beat uh, uh, Manchester United at Old Trafford, which, they, of course, they don't do very often. Uh, against West Ham, they were breathtaking over the weekend in terms of how, the, you know, how you expect them to play. They pulled everything off. The movement was outstanding, uh, of course. And, and that's why you had that feeling, a little bit of an inkling that they could do this against Monaco. And of course they did it. Uh, and they came up short because the hole was so big. Uh, uh, so, so I think they do have mentality. You can't just say that this is a team without mentality because over, you know, historically they, they, they bounced, as I mentioned. Uh, but they have that mentality at the wrong times, and yeah. until they prove it, you know, if you think of Arsenal, Jason, think of, think of this, look at back last year to Bayern Munich, or, or just in general, when things are on the line, I mean, last year they led, they led the Premier League, remember, for a long, long time mm-hmm. at the top of the league. And then, of course, you know, comes that spell, that dip of form when they're out of, you know, a Premier League uh, uh, chase, they're out of Champions League, right? And, and all of a sudden, when that pressure's off, they get something. Last year was FA Cup, but even if you take that away, remember late season kind of surges to get to that fourth spot to get into Champions League. Or this year, as I mentioned, after that loss, look at this, Manchester United, in a position to win the FA Cup, uh, they'll probably again finish in top four. So uh, I just think that they, you know these players have got to prove that when, when everything's on the line, uh, that they deliver. And for a club like Arsenal, 
delivering means, of course, you know, at some stage winning the Premier League or or winning the Champions League or getting very close to it. Mm. And and that's their problem. Even if they win the FA Cup again, I mean, it would be great, great game. Be, you know, they they would be able to defend the FA Cup, uh, you know, back to back. So that's that's not a small feat, but. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a larger problem uh, by Arsene Wenger of of sticking behind his uh, philosophy to a fault, almost as if he wants to prove us at some stage, even if it takes 30 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? To, that mm-hmm. that that his philosophy works, and these young players eventually um, get it right. It seems like they just it, it, it the smallest of margins. The difference between overcoming this deficit again they dug themselves that hole by that t- terrible performance in london but the smallest deficit deficits and i think that's embodied by olivier Giroud. Giannis, he, he's a he's a good goal scorer is he a great goal scorer probably not he misses his fair share mm-hmm. of chances and if he just puts one more away yesterday they're on their way to the quarterfinals yeah but yesterday i saw an interesting tweet uh, uh you know uh saying that, you know, the games will go a different path. If, you know, you look at that game, you almost think it, the difference was so big that you could, you know, uh, had it been different, even that maybe doesn't make a difference for Arsenal, right? Because Monaco approaches, when you have a cushion like that, yes. your state of mind, even though it's wrong, is in such a way that you know, you know you have that cushion and maybe you just play a little bit differently there. So I, I don't necessarily think that you can look at it it's simply from a standpoint that they came within one goal and they were that much closer, right? Because just, you know, if you scored, it's never a guarantee that the other goals, you know, go the way they went. Sure. So, you know, it's a it's a false way of looking at games. I just think, you know, it's just a too big of a hole. And it almost doesn't matter, you know, to some degree, uh, for the Arsenal supporters, I almost wish that it ended, you know, or one Arsenal, where you kind of say good performance, uh, right. you know, but but nowhere near, you know, because some people get the impression that this was close. And I just don't really think it was. You can't look at two games like that based on, right. on you know, how many goals and how much time was left. In terms of Giroud, Jason, I think he's very good. You know, some will say he's been just a little bit short of being, you know, the sort of striker for the top, top level. Um, and I have a, you know, I kind of, I, I seem to defend him all the time, even though I think I get you, Jason. I think you're right that he may be short, but who, how many strikers will guarantee you that, right? I mean, short, short of Messi and Ronaldo, I mean, it's such a, it's not like it's so easy to get that one striker and say, well, he will deliver always, you know, when it matters. Uh, I mean, Iguain is sort of that striker that I think kind of gives you that a little bit, but I still think that Giroud may. And, and yeah, I guess in the last few games, he said, especially in the first half, he's had so many chances, to, you know, so it's easy for us to make that statement. But, but again, he may be short. I think you're right, probably, but still a very, very good striker. It's a, it's a matter of whether or not he's the standard that Arsenal needs to get over the hump. Is he mm-hmm. again? I mean, there are 16 or 17 teams in the in the in the Premier League who would take Olivier Giroud in a second. It's mm-hmm. just whether or not he's good enough to get Arsenal where they want to be. And let's let's push Arsenal to the side for a second, Janish, because you know we focus on them because of. Uh, how how close they've come and and how they sort of hit this wall every season. But let's shower some praise on Monaco because again, they went to London. They handed they handed that game to Arsenal. They took that game to Arsenal via their incredible counterattack and and obviously some mm-hmm. smart defending and midfield play. 
and they they held on at home. As you said, they had a cushion. They knew what they needed to do, and they got the job done. And and I wonder here because again, this is an interesting project where they dumped a lot of money into it, then they sold off some big name players, and here they are succeeding and getting into the quarterfinals. Is this a legitimate? Uh, a little bit legitimate new era for Monaco is they is this a team that can actually go on and threaten somebody in the quarterfinals probably not uh, again draws are very important right you always think there's a couple of teams that you can see where where Monaco w- w- would match up uh, well right uh, so I suppose they could do something but uh, I'd be surprised I mean uh, I always give them praise, but again, different pressures, different expectations, right? I mean, it's a lot easier to play that way. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Monaco, uh, but but they don't have the same sort of pressure, especially with what you mentioned. You you know, uh, you look at Hamas uh, being gone, Falcao being gone. They're going in a different direction. Very tough, very physical, very well organized. Give uh, uh, Leonardo Jardim a lot of credit because, I mean, you know, one of my favorite quotes uh uh, other than the normal uh, coaches speak was in the first leg where they kind of recognized that they looked into Arsenal. They often see them uh, 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 a team that tires in the second half. And although this is not always, you know, uh, uh, true, but I think in certain games it is. I, I think you can, you know, but if you look at that uh, that, that uh, lineup, I mean, extremely, extremely tough, physical, uh, good quickness, but once again, a, a team that under pressure kind of faltered a little bit yesterday, right? I mean, you look at a team that didn't take a shot on goal and, to, and played to some degree scared. So it just goes to show that, it, you know, you go away to Arsenal, you have no expectations. It's sometimes easier a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to catch someone by surprise. And and I would have felt a lot better about Monaco if they continued to do what they did at the Emirates, but they didn't. In fact, they, they did look scared. So looking forward to that, I don't think they're going to come under the radar for anyone anymore. And it'll be interesting to see how now these players deal with pressure. I, I don't suspect that they will do that as well as they have against Arsenal. Let's turn now to Atletico Madrid, who beat Bayer Leverkusen on penalties uh, in their tie. Now, Atletico went home with a one-goal deficit, a bit of a lucky deflection in order to score. I mean, I, I certainly you take that shot, you take your chances, and, and, and I, I suppose you could say they deserved to equalize, they go into penalties, and those were not good penalties, honest. <laughs> a lot of them. Anyway, yeah, no, they I mean, it was a lot of it uh, on Kessling, uh, but it's not just him. It was certainly uh, several players for by for Bayer mm-hmm. Leverkusen, and and also Atletico missed their chances as well, or missed some penalties as well. But this is what Atleti is. I mean, they are going to scrap and scrape and, and, and claw their way by, and and as opposed to Monaco, this is a team you could actually see doing some damage. Uh, absolutely, two two sides to the story, I suppose. A little bit, it's emerging, uh, you know. But 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 first and foremost, one of probably the most uncomfortable opponents that I can think of, you know, in this in this competition right now. Whoever's going to be left, because you know they're steady, aren't they? I mean, they always, as you said, they're going to scrap, and they always you know, you always know that you're in a game. I don't think you're going to see a. Uh, a team that's going to be up and down. It's it, you know they're always coming at you, even if they're not at their best, and they certainly weren't even close to their best. But that's the other side of the story. That I, I think that you know this Atletico Madrid team is a little bit deflated, aren't they? And and you can understand that. I mean, the success of last year was not only to a degree unexpected. And when I say that, I don't you know we knew what Simeone can do, and uh, certainly I mean winning La Liga over Barcelona Real Madrid was outstanding. I mean they came within seconds of of, of winning the Champions League, right? So it's kind of hard to tap that, but I, you can see that they're a little bit deflated because, you know, that Simeone style, a little bit like Conte, although I think he's better, 
you just can't constantly do this rah, rah, rah thing, right? Uh, I'm not suggesting that there's no other way they know how to play because that's not true, but but uh, you can see it a little bit. Yes, against Real Madrid, they look a wonderful 4-0 win, but you, you, you're starting to see a little bit of softness where uh, a, a refresh may be needed for them in order to be considered for next few years that kind of Atletico Madrid team. And I think we'll, we will see that happening, but uh, it, it isn't the sort of team that we saw last year, not just because of the results necessarily, but the way they, you know, the, the team was flowing. It's just a little bit different when, mm. when I watched them in La Liga. So, you know, there's such high expectations that came to some degree almost too quickly for them, mm. in my opinion. You know what I mean? Because, I, you know, when, when I think of Atletico Madrid, I think of the years of Hess's uh, Hill, of course, the former president chopping and changing and always disappoint, disappointing. Yet it's a massive club. I mean, we sometimes forget how big Atletico Madrid are in terms of in terms of uh, a club historically instead of the fan in terms of their fan base and all that so so I'm hoping that you know we're talking now Diego Simeone and the news is coming out if he's, if he's going to resign or not and all that I hope for their sake that they find they do everything to keep Simeone there which looks by the way like the case and and they continue to grow maybe in some way they're taking a breather this year we don't know you know maybe it's just a temporary thing but um, certainly uh, very, very impressed with them. Mm. It, it would be obviously be good for them to lock up Semioni, and it would be interesting from his perspective because he certainly could have his pick of of many clubs, many big clubs, if he decided to move on. He's been one of those rumored candidates for some uh, some other jobs, and this would be interesting just from the perspective of, you know, uh, the, being loyal, staying at, at, at Aleti, mm-hmm. and making a, making a project out of this in which they attempt mm-hmm. to, you know, they're not going to be Real Madrid by any any stretch, but they can certainly compete year to year with some of the big mm-hmm. uh, big clubs in Europe for titles. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, uh, you know uh, interesting because Stu and I, I think, are going to be talking about the same thing. So uh, you may hear that again from yeah. me. But but yes, it's it's a project. Uh, I, I think what I said uh, earlier, he needs to. I think he does, but he needs to understand that he is already at a big club. It's just a question of what his conversations are going to be um, with his superiors in terms of how much uh, they will support him, and you know, financially in terms of rebuilding and buying players. And you know, I, I'm, I'm sure he's realistic, and he, he's not going to think that they're going to be spending the money of Chelsea, Manchester City, or, or PSG. But I, for as long as he sees that uh, the support is there, which by the way it has been, you know, but they, in the past they had to sell big names, and then they've done a tremendous job in getting new faces that became big players right exactly um let's uh let's take a look at today's matches Giannis before we run out of time we don't want to give short shrift certainly to Manchester City as they attempt to overcome a deficit against Barcelona um I, I don't think expectations are very high for City to get this done because it's Barcelona and as opposed to uh to some of the teams in this tournament you really don't question their resolve at, at this point certainly not at home with a lead well, no, on paper it doesn't look that way, but you know we sometimes forget that this is Manchester City and how good they really can be or are, you know, at, at times and the sort of players. And I think if I'm playing Greeny, I'm hammering the point that uh, they've gotten a second lease on life, right? I mean, that that, that penalty miss from Messi just you know keeps him alive here. Mm-hmm. So it depends, you know, how you want to use psychology here. I mean, if he scores that, there's absolutely no chance. He might as well send reserves there. Uh, uh, but this is still something where, 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 you know, if 
you know, they have the quality. I mean, let's face it, no matter what you think of Barcelona, good, but I mean, they've been conceding at home. They haven't always gotten results here. There's always that question defensively when things don't go Barcelona's way, when they don't uh, uh, play like they did in the first 45 minutes in the first leg. You know, and Manchester City scores. I mean, there are plenty of questions about uh, uh, about uh, Barcelona. With Mascherano most likely playing in the, in the midfield today, you're taking that little bit from the bag. Although, to, for me, in some way, it's probably better that he plays in the center uh, in the midfield because maybe that physical aspect of Mascherano against Yaya Toure is not a bad thing. Uh, but Busquets is a big miss. I just think that you look at that missed penalty and you're saying to yourself, Phew, we wouldn't even have a conversation right now. And this game, you know, everybody would be watching Dortmund against Juventus. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I don't want to, you know, it's going to be difficult to ask. I'm not sure I believe that they can come back. But maybe it's not as bad as everyone seems to make this to be, to be honest. We're going to keep these uh, these little capsules a little short since this is a podcast episode. And I imagine some people will be listening to this after those games have happened. But I, I just wanted to get your thoughts. And, and uh, let me come back to the weekend, because obviously City losing to Burnley uh, was a disappointment for their league mm-hmm. campaign. Do you think they were looking ahead to Barcelona? Do you think that game plays any role at all in, in how they play today? I think to a degree, players, it's in the back of your mind. You know, they always tell you that, no, it's one game at a time. But I think they understand that uh, uh, what it was. But I think in that case, uh, you know, I still, because, I mean, at the very least, you look at you you look at that game against Burnley and you look at Premier League as a hedge, right? I mean, you if you go out of the Champions League, yes, people will quickly uh, look at it and say this is the next next step in progression for Manchester City. But still, if they were to if they were able to defend the Premier League, I think there's some pressure that comes off, and certainly City supporters will tell you that, right? Because it it seems to me that they they value the Premier League much more than the Champions League. Uh, but that's not what the owners value. That's not what they spend money. You know, they've proven that they can win Premier League already on a couple occasions. Now it's the next step. Uh, I think, you know, the psychology of it is, is, is mind-boggling to me. How, you know, and we know Burnley. We know what they can do. They're always in the game. But I don't know if they're looking ahead, but if they were, shame on them because, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's a win that they, they absolutely have to win, not to mention the momentum sort of that would give, not necessarily beating not necessarily beating uh, uh, Burnley, but just the next few days where you even more downplay how good this team uh, is and, you know, ahead of the, the, the Barcelona game. Uh, Dortmund is hosting Juventus uh, down a goal in, in that tie. Uh, at home, obviously, you would give Dortmund a very good chance of overcoming that deficit. Juventus is sort of flying the flag for, for Italy right now um, with the, the the fortunes of that league flagging, at least in perception, Janish. As a guy who has uh, watched plenty of Syria in 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 your um, in your career, is this uh, is this uh, you know how how big is it for Juventus to get past Dortmund? Even if Dortmund is struggling a bit uh, or underwhelming in the league, they have climbed to mid table. But underwhelming is it? How how crucial is it to Italian football to have Juventus uh, progress past this point? Well, I think it's big. I think for Juventus, it's big because you know they're still on that path to remind the world who they are and who they once were. Right? Uh, I mean, this is this is one of those clubs that had to go through some uh, hoops to get back to where they are right now, where they're on the verge of uh, 
uh, for Scudetto in a row, and they're they're back in 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 the competition that they're very familiar with. That they've won. They've been in a million uh, finals of this uh, uh, competition. So so I think you know that that psychology that I often bring in of 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 kind of saying we are building, we're back, we're we're on track in terms of. Uh, our progress is is very very important. Uh, regardless if if you went to see them, if they go through this, if they win it or not, it's 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 another block, right? Coming from the Kaciu Police, coming from the Serie B, you know, as I mentioned, four Scudetto's brand new stadium, which you know uh, we all know the problems that Italian football has in general financially, but mm. even with their facilities and all that. So so if you look at that progress and some of the disappointments under Totti, right, and not coming out of the group stages even. Uh, you know, they're out of that, you know, under Allegri, they came out. And, uh, obviously, this is one when, when they go to Dortmund with a lead here. So you'd like to think that, that it, it's super, super important, I think. It's, uh, they won't tell you that, but it's, 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 it's massive. It's massive, I think, for Juventus to see this through. Absolutely. Uh, we've run out of time, unfortunately. Looking forward to all of these Champions League games, both of the games today. Uh, thank you very much, Janish, for your insight. And uh, people should follow him, uh, follow you on Twitter. I don't know that you need help on Twitter. You're you're killing it over there. Janish ESPN. Yeah, it's good. Uh, there you go. Janish, appreciate the time, and, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Always my pleasure, Jason. Yeah, there you go. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to shift over to MLS. MLS expansion news. Brian Korstad from the Northern Pitch will join us to talk about Minnesota getting a team. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning brought to you by World Soccer Talk. Every soccer fan in the world knows that the biggest match of the year is El Clasico between Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's your chance to witness Cristiano Ronaldo, Lido Messi, and more of the greatest players in the world. The best way to watch is with Dish World and their exclusive broadcast from BN Sports. Dish World is the number one live international TV service in the U.S. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch El Clasico, plus La Liga, Serie A, and Copa America, as well as the New York Cosmos, Chelsea TV, Arsenal TV, and others with One World Sports and more top networks offered by Dish World. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss El Clasico on Sunday, March 22nd. Sign up today at www.dishworld.com. Hey there, it's Jason Davis, and if you're like me and love playing fantasy soccer games, I want to let you know about a fantastic new game called Draft11.com. This is not your usual fantasy soccer game. Draft11.com is different for two major reasons. First, it's a daily fantasy soccer game, and second, it gives you an opportunity to win cash. So instead of playing an entire season and competing against, say, the 3 million people who play fantasy Premier League and winning nada... You can play Draft11.com over one match day against up to 10 people. And if your team wins, you win. Cash, not points. So go ahead and support our new sponsor that's helping bring Soccer Morning to you every single day. Head over to Draft11.com, sign up for a free account, and take a shot at trying to win some cold, hard cash. Thanks. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on Soccer Morning, talking MLS expansion. 
to the far north. I mean, to me, it's the far north. Minnesota, the Twin Cities. Brian Korstad from the brand new website, northernpitch.com, joins us. Brian, how are you? I'm very good. Great to be back on the show, Jason. It's great to have you. Congratulations on the launch of Northern Pitch. It looks fantastic. It obviously is going to do an amazing job, just as you've done uh, over the past couple of years, covering Minnesota soccer. And it's it's got to be a heady time in Minnesota soccer circles, Brian. Wow, it's it's really exciting right now with uh, the whole uh, MLS to Minneapolis uh, thing going on and the whole vibe and and we're getting so much media coverage right now. It's it's pretty fun and and we launched that site just in time. We're really excited about that. And we can when you want to, we can talk a little bit more about that as well. In in terms of the process here um you know in terms of how long minnesota was a candidate and obviously we had competing bids between uh, uh, bill mcguire minnesota united fc owner and uh, the the vikings ziggy wilf in terms of the process here are you are you a little surprised how quickly this came together i don't feel like we quite had the same sort of build-up as we've had in some other cities mm, I, i'm not surprised i mean brian Strauss from si you know kind of broke it last uh, November that uh, who exactly was involved with the with the with the uh, McGuire group, uh, which was you know Glenn Taylor and from the Timberwolves and he has a very large corporation here in the Polads with uh, the Twins owners and they also own United Properties which uh, you know is no way affiliated with Minnesota United or Bill McGuire's United Healthcare that he's the former CEO of but uh, you know there are some big players involved in in this and. And, uh, you know, we saw it coming together and Brian kind of called it and said that, you know, it seems to kind of be going Minnesota's way. And, and, uh, and, and so we've been hearing so many things. And of course, the truth is you never know for sure, but you have your contacts and you're hearing that it's moving forward. And we were hearing it was moving forward in Minnesota United's way. So, uh, we were able to break that news, uh, last Thursday finally and say that some sort of, uh, paperwork was, presented by MLS to Minnesota United supporting them for an outdoor stadium, and that was the difference. And, you know, McGuire, you and I have talked about this before on the show. There was two options. He had an option uh, which, you know, if things fall through, I think they could still do, but at the Mall of America. Uh, And then they had the Minneapolis site, and I'm sure uh, he probably would not have had the backing from Glenn Taylor and the Polads, uh, Jim Polads, if they had not built in uh, in that downtown Minneapolis, uh, what they call the North Loop area, which is quickly expanding and developing. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because I just sort of addressed at the top of the show the state of the expansion race. Uh, Minnesota United, obviously, way ahead here and, and looking like a good bet uh, to get a team in, in the next couple of years. Uh, Miami, still a hope of MLS. David Beckham trying to get his house in order down there. Sacramento has checked a bunch of boxes, Brian, and they may feel a little bit aggrieved that they've been pushed to the back of the line. Um, and, and so it's difficult to sort of paint MLS into a corner when it comes to the standards or the requirements that you need to get to in order to get an expansion team. But certainly in most cases, that outdoor urban stadium is a key, and, and, and that's what pushed it over the top for Minnesota United. Right, and they actually have an option. That was one of the things we reported last last. Uh, Thursday, and now I've learned that that uh, option to purchase eight acres of property in this uh, North Loop area near the Farmer's Market in downtown Minneapolis and near Target Field where the Twins play, 
Um, you know, that was actually done last year at some point, that option to purchase that was done by uh, the by United Properties, uh, who are, of course, again, the Polads working with uh, Dr. McGuire here. And so, uh, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me because one of the things we've heard from uh, Commissioner Garber recently is some of the reasons why Minneapolis was a good choice. You know, they have a lot, you know, it's it's fantastic. I'm excited about Sac Republic. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a great organization. Uh, they're doing things right. Got a great logo, like Minnesota United has a great logo. Um, you know, a lot of good things happening out there. But Minnesota United, or, or, or Minneapolis area, the Twin Cities area, is a great uh, corporate structure here. There's a lot of uh, Fortune 500 uh, corporations here. Um, they've got that behind them. They've got a great millennial base here um, that seems to be growing, uh, great urban movement. Um, there a lot of the things that that, uh, that MLS has said they really want to see, and they have a longstanding history of soccer here, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like Portland did in Seattle, which, you know, I think that MLS kind of underplayed in the beginning, but we've seen what's happened now. They're a northern tier uh, you know, team, look at what happened in Toronto. They had a long history, too. They didn't have very many people in second division coming to their games. Once they got that stadium built, people were coming like crazy. Yeah. It, um, so, 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 yeah, I think that, that I think it was a really logical choice in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I think you're right. I mean, obviously, the strength of the ownership group is, is a big factor here. And, 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 Don Garber has has mentioned Brian that uh, you know the Midwest was a sort of a target. We know that they wanted to get into the South. They did that with Orlando City and Atlanta, and possibly now Miami. Eventually, who knows? Uh, but the the Midwest was a was a bit of a hole. I mean, you have Kansas City and you have Chicago, but we're talking about vast spaces out there. And Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul is a, is a growing area, as you said. So this makes a lot of sense on that front. Now let me flip it around here because you know there's at least some sentiment out there. That you that moving to MLS from NASL is not always a foregone conclusion. Now, certainly MLS has a lot of advantages over the NASL, but long term, some people would argue that you have more freedom in NASL. That the the, the ceiling is actually higher um, than it might be in MLS. Do you think that there's any argument to be made that Minnesota United could possibly be better off in the long term in NASL over MLS? And, you know, we've discussed that at length around in these areas. And and the conclusion that I think Dr. Bill McGuire came up with was he did like the NASL financial structure. I think there was a lot of things that he liked about it um, and probably a few things he didn't exactly get too excited about uh, with MLS's structure. However, if he's going to build a $183 million stadium, which is what we're hearing, you know, and with the $100 million franchise fee or whatever it is, but even just the stadium without the MLS franchise fee, he's going to build that. He's going to make sure that league, <laughs> that the league he's building it for is going to be around for a long time, that he can appreciate the team and eventually get his money out of what he's put into it and into the stadium. And, you know, the, the only way to go with that was, with Major League Soccer and and John Mockfowler, uh, who also writes this, uh, for the Star Tribune uh, Soccer Centric blog, posted on on uh, Northern Pitch just this week an article that almost said those identical things. He he had a great article on it. So I don't think uh, Dr. McGuire had a lot of choice. I think if he was going to do this, and if he didn't do it, I was going to say if he didn't didn't go to MLS, you know, we knew that that right the Vikings 
had the opportunity to do it. Right. And there was no way the NASL in this town, uh, as many uh, sports teams as we have, there's no way the NASL would have survived with an MLS team competing. So he was kind of forced into it in some ways, but in other ways, you know, it now draws a star power. He's been putting a lot of money into this team, both on the field and off the field and in the office. You know, they have a staff that is somewhat like a lot of MLS teams at this point. They've really been building up. They keep saying they want to be one of the best teams in North America. And they've been building that staff up, doing things, making a really top-notch organization. And yet they're still only drawing, what, 6,000 out in Blaine uh, because it's second division. Yeah. Quite honestly, it doesn't have the star power coming in. Mm. That will change when they get to downtown stadium. And I think there's a huge excitement about MLS this year and some of the new players in there and the stars and what's happening. And, and that will only continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I, by the way, I think I need to get my hands on a Minnesota United scarf, maybe even before they move up to MLS. Pro- hopefully before they move up to MLS because that could be a couple years away, clearly. Uh, right. I'm not sure why I don't have one, Brian. It, it's a it's a big hole in my collection here. Uh, let me um, let me turn to the, the market. Um, you know, I, I don't like to get too uh, you know too cynical about these things. This is soccer. It's a growing sport. We uh, there are a lot of fans in Minnesota. I don't want to paint it any other way. But we when we talk about these expansion teams and we're seeing it in Orlando and they certainly saw it over the last couple of years with Portland and and Seattle is is making a dent in a in a big city with a, an NFL team. The question is is whether or not Minnesota United or whatever they're called, I'm sure they will be that, um, is going to get the sort of ink that you would want a Major League Soccer team to get in a new town. I, I think they will. I mean, um, part of part of creating Northern Pitch and what we did um, was we felt there was sort of a hole. There was a, a since IMS closed down, there was a there was a number of uh, other sites. Uh, John Martell, I just mentioned, was writing Soccer Centric blog, but he had kind of you know kind of dragged uh, Star Tribune around, along a little bit to get that going. But then there was another one called uh, Balloon Call, and we just felt that, you know, putting all those people together and pulling pulling it together in one site and creating a lot of really quality content and have really good quality contributors at uh, Northern Pitch that I'm really excited about, part of that was, you know, forcing uh, the mainstream media around here to cover the team a little better because we're going to give them coverage, we're going to get hits, and if they're not covering it, they're going to lose those hits. So I think between that and I'm seeing a lot of TV coverage. In fact, just uh, when when Minnesota United played uh, played uh, who was it uh, down in Arizona? I'm trying to fix Seattle. Uh, that even got uh, one of the local TV stations covered it, and that got on the MLS trust list the next day. So I, I think it's going to be okay. Uh, it's good to know. I mean, certainly you want to see uh, Minnesota get uh, the headlines, and and again um, with the. Uh, uh, with, with new teams rapidly coming into this league, Brian, and I'm gonna, let me ask you to take yourself out of just the Minnesota context mm-hmm. and look at American mm-hmm. soccer as a whole. Uh, expansion is 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 happening so quickly; it's hard to to keep up. Your head gets uh, spun around a little bit. There's a, a new candidate city every day. It seems like certainly MLS has made uh, noises about stopping at 20. That didn't happen. Stopping at 24. That's probably not going to happen. Is do you are you concerned about this at all? I mean, are you do you feel shadows of the old NESL at all, or do you think MLS is in a unique position where if they don't take these opportunities, they're going to they're going to regret it down the road? Yeah, I don't know if we can even say it's a growing league. Well, of course it's growing. Like what's happening in the future? It's happening now. You know, I really, I 
I really feel that way, Jason. It's happening now with MLS. Uh, we're in the midst of a, a really great time, and I have no problem with future expansion as well. Looking at the size of this country and the, the scope, and you know, all the uh, we've talked about taking those as part of uh, MLS's uh, you know target market and what we have going here in the Twin Cities. A lot of first and second generation immigrants, you know, uh, a lot of millennials, a lot of positive things happening. People are moving back to the cities. Uh, that's where MLS wants to be. I, I just have good feelings about uh, continued expansion for a while, at least. It's good to know, and and again, I, I think I think MLS is going about this um, the best way that they can, Brian. But I, I think it's also easy again to bring it back to to cynicism for some some fans out there to wonder if things are moving too quickly, and if MLS is just looking at those big checks and hoping to you know recoup on some of that investment that they made at the turn of the century. Uh, we just want this league to continue to 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 exist. I'm not even sure that growth is necessarily something I concern myself with. Although I get excited about all of these teams. And I'm excited mm-hmm. about Minnesota United. Um, what's, uh, what do you think is the next step in the process here? Obviously, this needs to be formalized. The league has issued a statement saying, yes, we're talking to Minnesota United. Um, what's, what's next? What, is, uh, what does Mr. Dr. McGuire need to do uh, to really get this thing uh, going and the ball rolling? Well, what I'm hearing from my sources is they are still truly uh, negotiating uh, the contract, you know, what it's, what it's going to be, how much it's going to cost excuse me, for that franchise. Uh, what his intellectual property is worth. And and uh, I think he's still putting together an ownership group. But with that announcement from MLS, it makes it a lot easier. It also does another thing. Um, you know, there's been all this, uh, you know, the, the Minnesota Vikings have a lot of lobbying power, and they've done a lot of it over the past, you know, 10 years really to get their, their new stadium, which is going up quickly now. It's just a huge thing on the east end of downtown. And, uh, you know, Without MLS firmly committing to Minnesota United, uh, it kind of left the door open that if there was any kind of financing whatsoever, let's say from Hennepin County uh, for some infrastructure around the land, uh, anything like that, you know, the Vikings could kind of step in and try to sabotage that a little bit because if you couldn't get a stadium deal done, then maybe Minnesota Vikings would be it. But with uh, MLS kind of coming in, stepping in and saying, this is the deal. Uh, we're supporting them. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, they have to finalize a few things uh, as far as numbers. Uh, and, you know, they have the property uh, option for the property. With this, maybe they go ahead and they purchase the property. They don't just have the contract, uh, the option contract, that they actually uh, pay it off and, and, and purchase that property. I, I'm not sure exactly, but we're hearing that we're going to have a some kind of a press uh, announcement. Well, we know from MLS that it's 30 to 45 days. The team is in Brazil training right now, so it's not going to be until they come back, which is I think another seven days or so. We're kind of thinking towards the end of the month, early into April, mm-hmm. probably before the NESL season starts. Um, can't see that it, it probably would kind of be bad for them to be uh, you know, in league play, so we think it's going to be sometime, someplace in there. Brian Korstad from the brand new website, northernpitch.com. It is fantastic. It's covering Minnesota soccer, and uh, Brian and his team are doing a fantastic job. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for your insight. It's great to have you back on the show. Um, hopefully we can uh, continue to talk to you as this uh, thing moves along. Maybe we'll talk some actual NASL Minnesota United in the near future. Absolutely, Jason. Thanks for having me on again. There you go. Let's uh, take a break. When I come back, I will wrap up this podcast edition of Soccer Morning, brought to you by World Soccer Talk. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here I am back on Soccer Morning, podcast edition of the show. It's very weird not to be doing it live. We'll do it live. Very weird not to be doing it live. And no phone calls today because you can't hear me right now. So why the heck would you call me to talk about anything? Uh, I suppose some people who don't know we're not live could call in just randomly. That's not going to happen. I don't expect that to happen. So I'm going to wrap up this edition of the show. Thank you very much to Janusz Mihalik. Thank you very much to Brian Korstad. Both excellent, excellent guests. Uh, and um, look forward to Thursday's show. We'll have a Champions League to talk about, clearly. Uh, both uh, CONCACAF and UEFA. Make sure you go to 3NLFC.com to buy a Soccer Morning t-shirt. They're beautiful. They're blue. They have our brand new logo on it, courtesy of Dan over at 3NLFC. And they're quality. They are absolute quality. If you're looking for something non-wearable, perhaps you'd like a coffee mug. You can get one of those at backheel.com slash store. I use mine every single day. It's great. It's a coffee mug with the logo on it. Beautiful. Beautiful thing. Absolutely fantastic. And since this is a podcast edition of the show, I feel, uh, I feel it's appropriate to push you in the direction of iTunes. Uh, you guys know that iTunes is a major driver of success for podcasts. If you give us a rating and a review, it helps us out immensely. If you're subscribed to the feed, whether you listen to it through iTunes or not, that helps us out immensely. And make sure you're checking out draft11.com where you can play match day, single match day, fantasy soccer against 10 people, win some cash and, uh, and everything else there. And if you've got, uh, if you've got designs on watching El Clasico this weekend and you don't have access right now, check out uh, dishworld.com. Good stuff there. Appreciate our, all of our sponsors. Appreciate all of you guys listening. And I think that's going to do it. I think I'm going to wrap up this edition of the show and uh, tell you to come back tomorrow when producer Trevor returns and we're back live at worldsoccertalk.com. See you then. Bye.